Hey, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And has anyone had cheat codes for adulting? Because we could really use them. We could really use Konami. Konami code. A little like little AA1, little one, two, little left, left arrow, right, right, up, arrow. up, down, down. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, always, always. <laughs> I feel like self care is kind of a cheat code for oh, adulthood. Girl, you should coin that. I. I I feel that I feel that a little bit. I don't know. I, I'm all about taking. I don't. Were you a cheat code person? Because you're more of a a little bit more of a gamer than I really am. I'll take a cheat code. Mm. I'll take a cheat code. Mm. I mean, I would when I was younger. I feel like now I have less interest <laughs> because I'm like less invested in being a completionist and like doing all the things in the game. I'm just there to like enjoy it for like. A few hours at a time. And I feel like that in itself is a level of adulting that you just have to get to. I feel mm. like those things really coincide. I, I love like, like the finisher, the, the accomplishment <laughs> feeling of it. It's like, I'm just enjoying the go. <laughs> I'm just enjoying I'm just this here stuff. for the experience. For the experience, because I actually have the time to do that. So I don't know. Yes. I love that. Yes. <laughs> but it's a very special day here. Very special. <laughs> we have a special guest with us today. We do. You all get to have some variety in voices besides the two of us. Yes. <laughs> Joining us today is Brittany George of Mixed Mental Health. So, what's up, Brittany? Hola. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I am so glad to be here with you guys. Very excited. <laughs> Feeling some really great energy today. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I will take it. I will take it any day. It's it's actually because actually you and Danny have had like have had a meeting already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your, your paths have crossed. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about that, Escosh? Yeah, yeah. So I decided to put out um, a little invitation to some of my Instagram followers, and I happened to be following um, your guys' podcast at the time, and I guess Danny was following me back, so she saw that I had asked uh, 10 participants to come forward to share their mixed race story, and in return, I would be giving um, them a masterclass. So that has, it's happened. (laughs) The masterclass is out there, and we have had a great conversation, a really just candid talk about her experiences growing up and all of just the intricacies of being a mixed person, being a mixed Mm -hmm. woman to begin with. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. And, you know, the, the trials, the errors, the the ups and downs, all of it. And it really just felt like I was talking to an old girlfriend. <laughs> Likewise, girl, it w- you're very easy to talk to, which made it very comfortable and easy to share. Aww. I appreciate I'm that. So, I, it's, now I feel like I get to get in on all of this wonderfulness. <laughs> Danny was telling me about it and was like, we should do this. And uh, we, we love that. I mean, the, the reason why I think we've both gone out there into the world is to try to make space specifically mm. for people who are walking in this life as a mixed person. And the more we continue to make that space, the more we want to kind of join in. Danny and I were so fortunate. We did a live a little while ago. And I think both of our hearts was just like just crumpled with gratefulness because there were people saying that they felt like their most authentic self. They actually feel like they could be who they were mm. in these encounters as a mixed person. 
And that was both beautiful and crushing at the same time, that there are just people who are trained to live their life in this, in this body, in their skin, in their culture, in the light of coming from a mixed background. And so when I see more people out there, I'm, I'm so encouraged. Take up that space. <laughs> yes. Yes. Before we get too much into taking up space, I have to throw out our first question, oh. like our question we ask all of our guests, um, mm-hmm. kind of the the walk through the fire moment of uh, what are you? Uh, the good old yes. question. It's yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've probably never been asked that before, I'm assuming. Oh, no, never. I'm so, is that too invasive for two people you don't know well to ask you that? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's normal. That's normalness, being a mixed woman. Hey, it is here. I'm here to just let you know. <laughs> Yeah. So, yes, I have an answer to that lovely question. And I just, first of all, I love this question because it is one of those things that you either are so like, oh, about or other people just love it. They're like, yes, I'm ready to share. Mm -hmm. And I think that in itself is just part of the answer. So my little elevator pitch (laughs) answer to the question is I am all kinds of things. So um, (laughs) to begin with, to begin with, on my mom's side, she is um, mixed with uh, Syrian and English. So my grandfather is Syrian and my grandmother is English. And then on my biological dad's side, he is African American and also a Seminole native. So they're um, natives from Florida, actually. So wow. yeah, and that in itself has been a little bit of a discovery mm-hmm. for me because I did not grow up with my biological dad. So really mm-hmm. um, digging into those those pieces of myself that I had no idea about for so long has really helped me bring those those pieces together and actually come forward with like a full answer for people which that makes me so excited (laughs) yeah that's always interesting those journeys of self-discovery for parts of yourself that are like there but you didn't grow up with and you don't have that context and having to build that for Mm -hmm. yourself it's just like such a journey like it's something I'm also going through on my, my my dad's side as well so I feel you I see you I see it too, girl. <laughs> well, then there's also like, I'm not quite sure if you had this as well. You also have like cultural, like where you live, you know, like for me, oh. I, I grew up a lot in Albuquerque. So you kind of absorb that. You can't help it. You know, you are, you are around the language and the food and the festivals. Did you kind of have that where you grew up as well, where you had that influence? Yeah, I know. It was really interesting for me because I grew up in a very small farming town Mm. where it was very very um, common for people to have like acres of land and horses and farms and whatnot and the population that I grew up in was incredibly and and still is incredibly white so I Mm. am one of two mixed people in my family Uh, my cousin is mixed as well and we're the only people that look Mm. of color Uh, so my experience growing up with my stepdad, all of his family is white, they're Ukrainian, and then all of my mom's family, um, the family that I, like my family of origin, they're all white as well, except for 
my one mixed cousin. <laughs> yeah. So it was interesting. It was really interesting. And, you know, white schools where I was, you know, one of the only mixed people, probably one of like six colored people in my high school. So yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it's hard not to fall into those categories and fall into those stereotypes of coming as a white person in so many different areas. And I think, I think that's what was really confusing for me was because people would perceive me as a colored person, but then I would speak or, you know, my certain, my different kinds of mannerisms and things like that. They would be like, oh, like just taken back a little bit. And I found it really interesting to to see their reactions. And sometimes it was about, you know, talking on the phone to somebody, helping someone on the phone and being like, oh, you know, here's the directions to this. And then they'd show up in the establishment mm-hmm. that I'd be working at. And they're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just, and you know, that's what they're perceiving. Yeah. You know that that energy is coming forward and it's like, Okay, we'll deal with this here now, I guess. <laughs> but it was a different, different scenario on the phone. So just interesting, interesting little things. Mm. So how did that shape how you had your own identity, how you defined yourself racially? I'm, I'm sure it's been a journey, but just kind of take us back to that small town, you know, just growing up one of six. Like, how did that, what was that for your own self and your identity? Hmm. Yeah, great question. Well, I did a lot of just realizing and taking on cues of the people around me. So Mm. one of the things that would come to me all the time is people would ask me what I am. And in our household, we didn't really talk about the fact that I was mixed or that I have any kind of different ancestry from my parents. So it they they use the word mulatto. And apparently that has become like a real in some people's eyes is um like a a bad thing to say or like a derogatory Mm. kind of form of mixed person or biracial so that is what I called myself for a really long time and it Mm. was it was really just taking cues from the people around me and clinging to this way of life that I was brought up in as as you go through the developmental stages it's uh, really about who your caretakers are and who is in mm-hmm. your your closest circle so that is the in- how you become informed as to you know how to carry forward what's good what's bad and what's right and what's wrong so a lot of it was that and a lot of it was about um, especially in high school and elementary school it was about fitting in 100 percent. it was about belonging um you know what can I do to feel like I'm not sticking out like a sore thumb Mm. Um, (laughs) you know what kinds of things um can I get into that people are going to recognize that I'm doing this and they're going to accept me and it was really just a lot of like yeah figuring out where I needed to be in at at any moment really (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a that's a normal teenage journey. Like so much about being of that age and adolescence is like figuring out where you belong and wanting to be part of the group. And I think that an additional 
thing that those of us who are mixed race have to overcome is not even just personality and interests and those wanting to to belong and fit in, but it's literally like our skin. <laughs> like where where do we fit in and how am I comfortable in this skin and how can I change it to fit in? Um and we've we've had these discussions a little bit, Tamika and I. Mm-hmm. But I also find it really interesting about like terminology and like that picking up based off of who you're around and like now kind of, oh, that isn't the right word. And it feels <laughs> a little weird. And, and for me, that brought up, I don't know if you remember Damika in high school. I remember Damika and I like referring to ourselves as mutts yeah. um, oh, often. Yeah. So cool. I think that's like a, a similar, a similar journey. Yeah. Um, Well, I love when you're talking about kind of taking the cues from those around Mm -hmm. you, because Mm -hmm. we do that a lot as well. You know, we talk about like, even for me in my own journey, it's like how I identify, but then how you treat me are two different things. Mm -hmm. Some people would still the way their treatment of me is sometimes of being like, oh, because the way I talk or the way I present myself, treat me more white, then am I more this, as opposed to where some the hostility from teachers or authority figures in my life where they're treating me more as a woman of color, thus I must be a woman of color. And so I thought that was very interesting, just kind of mentioning so much of identity and where we find ourselves at is is how people treat us and those cues and what we're getting from everyone else. And especially like Danny said, in the adolescent phase when that that's survival. Like if you're talking about us being oh, yeah. mammals, like <laughs> yeah. at, at the at the base level, if we're gonna take all the emotionality out of it, we're gonna take all of that, like we're that's a survival tactic. Like who am I most like in order uh-huh. to to grab onto in order to survive this horrible thing called puberty? <laughs> you know? yes. How 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 yes. can I how can I do that and why am I not fitting quite correctly in any of these categories? So I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're so right about that survival instincts. I often talk to my counseling clients, my coaching clients, and we talk about like the caveman days and how important it was to have a tribe, to have a group of people that you know that was going to have your back in whatever situation. And that is still in, like, that's still in us 100%. Mm-hmm. That has not been moved out of us as the generations pass forward. It's just, it's instilled. And that's just part of being a human being. <laughs> well, it's a communal thing, isn't it? We, we are still designed for that. Even if you feel like yourself to be more of a lone wolf or an introvert, still need, even if it's your close kind of tribe, you said, that close kind of connection for survival. You need that. You really, really do. Yeah. And when you don't have it, it's just, ugh, it, you can see where th- that lap kind of affects the rest of your life, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. 100%. We're social creatures at our core, so it makes sense that we need those things. Like we need the relationships to survive, but also I know a lot of your your work, at least recently, is about identity. And so I think like finding ourselves, not only having those connections, but finding our identity in relation to other people is something that we naturally want to do. So I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about how you would define racial identity and why. Why is it important for us? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, racial identity is like a mix of so many things. It's not one thing. It's not a box that you check. It's really so many dimensions that are so important to explore. And this is like one of the basis of the program that I'm putting together is... Mm 
the fact that, you know, you have your culture, you have your ethnicity, you have your personality, you have your values, you have your beliefs, you have all kinds of things. You have gender roles, you have what you experienced in your household as you're growing up around your caregivers, all kinds of things that are amalgamated into this racial identity. And not all of it is going to have equal effects, but I believe once you're able to kind of go through and and look at these things, that is when you can become really, really clear on how you identify racially. And mm. you know, whether it's outside of the label of I am X, Y, and Z, that is completely up to you. And how you decide to, you know, really take those pieces of you into account, whether it's like you're celebrating or you're going to different groups or you're having different conversations or you're, you know, have different rituals or practices, those kinds of things is completely up to you. You can go to the full extent or or you can really just say, hey, this is who I am. <laughs> and, and that's going to be that. So racial identity is just, it's going to be it's going to be different for everybody it's one of those things that I believe is the core of our being in so many ways and it informs so many of our choices and informs Mm. like the way that we move around in the world so yeah I I would say that's kind of the long form of my answer (laughs) girl we don't like brevity (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, no, we don't. <laughs> I really love what you said of just like how we go on and how we navigate throughout the world being so tied to our identity. I actually just got done going through our email for Biration Unicorn and we had a couple of people actually write about an episode we did about personality tests. And mm. I thought, you know, we wanted to something to kind of fill. We like peaks and valleys in mm. our different episode topics. We had a lot of people have a lot of feelings about that. And I think specifically with mixed people, when you have something that helps you kind of navigate and for lack of a better word, explain who you are a little bit of just being able to be like, oh, wow, because I'm this type of personality, uh-huh. this actually explains why I might respond this way to trauma, stress, relationships, goals that I might have. It just kind of helps it. And I think people really ache and really desire to kind of have that anchor, as you're saying, of just like, okay, because my identity is rooted in this, I may because it's complex, isn't it? I may respond and have this kind of a background, even with a intergenerational trauma of like, because I have this background, I might have the proclivity to respond, to seek out, to look forward to in the way that I move in life in certain ways, because this is who I am. All these different aspects make up who I am. It's something even beyond myself. Sometimes it's just in me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Totally. Uh, Oh, I really, I dig. I totally dig. (laughs) (laughs) That's the power of what you were saying, that it's racial identity is different for every single person, because I think we really want there to be nice, neat boxes that we can just slide into and to understand Mm. ourselves. But that's not the truth. And Mm. none of us, no one can fit very nicely into a little box. I love Mm. this idea of you have to evaluate all these different things about your life and about your background and about your beliefs and about your rituals and and decide and, and build that box yourself. I think that's really powerful. And like to be able to hear that is is empowering because then you feel less like an outsider or a weirdo or like someone without a place when you're like, oh, wait, 
everyone has to do this work mm. to find that spot. Completely. And it's ever evolving. It's not static. It's not going to stay still in one place. It is going to evolve as you go. And you're going to pick up pieces that you love and be like, yes, I'm going to cher- cherish this forever. And you're going to pick up pieces that you're like, mm, no, yes. not really for mm. me. Mm, put no. it down. Mm-hmm. Put it all the way down. And mm-hmm. you're allowed to. Oh, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. And that's a bigger lesson for the world that we're always talking about is like, it's okay. It's okay to change your mind. Like that can serve you for right now. And it might serve you for an hour or for a week or for 10 years. Like that's Mm -hmm. cool, but it also is probably going to change and that's okay. Like that doesn't make the time that you spent with it any less authentic. Exactly. And I think especially when dealing with race with that, if I think about how I viewed myself, like Danny, I calling myself, you know, Mm -hmm. if if I'm adult now, I I like to talk to high school Damika a lot because she had a lot of problems. But we are just like, what can I say to her as an encouragement to talk to other people? I've just been like, what does that really mean when you say that? And of course, I'm allowed to because when then people who interacted with me at 17, they're going to have that memory of me. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is how I, I have evolved. This is what I've changed. This is what I've picked up. This is what I let go. And I need you to allow that space for me to change because I'm going to give you that space to change your mind as well. I think we need to normalize people changing their minds. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. a weird thing to say, isn't it? I think especially in this climate, whether it's racially, politically, sexually allowed to do that, you are, you have that space. And so I, I'm so excited to see people normalize the fact of I have learned things and with this new information I get to reevaluate and go forward so please treat me in this form that I am now in this way and how I view and how I think so yes to normalizing that and put it down and you're so right about the fact that we teach and train people how to treat us 100 percent and of course you know you obviously as the other person on the other side they have to be willing and understanding and to be able to receive you on that level too and if they can't well sorry (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's one of those things that okay well then that's just how it is and this is who I'm going to be and I'm going to be this person no matter what It's true, but it's hard. What a hard lesson. It is. It's so hard. I'm not speaking from someone who's got it together or is good at it. (laughs) Never speak from that place whatsoever. So so you deal with with a lot of racial identity with like holistic therapy and mental health correct, Brittany? That's correct. Yes. So how do, and I, you know, I'm already thirsty for this topic already, Danny. <laughs> I, how does racial identity and mental health coincide? Kind of touching a little bit, but I want you to go to that deep end. I'm like, so ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the most powerful statement that I can bring forward is like, once you know yourself, nobody can tell you who you are mm. first and foremost. And It's that understanding of knowing exactly how your, first of all, your racial identity is formed. If you're feeling strong and confident in that, if you're feeling like your self-esteem is high in that regard, your understanding of yourself and what you value and what you want and boundaries and all of those things are 
concrete, there's this chance for you to be your full aligned self out in the world. Now, if we want to flip it on its head and talk about the fact that when we are feeling like our racial identity is looking like Swiss cheese... And, you know, there's some holes in it. There's some places where it's like, oh, like, I don't really know what this is about me or I feel weird or awkward. And that's okay. That's totally okay to feel those things. But when you're feeling like it's difficult to be in your full self and show up as your full self in whatever capacity that you have to in different parts of your life, that Mm -hmm. is when there's going to be difficulties with like depression and anxiety. And at that point, we're looking for other people to inform us as to who we are. And when, Mm. when we're doing things that are not aligned with our morals or values or our Mm. beliefs, we will fall into places where we're going to do things that are maybe against those morals, values, and beliefs. And mm. essentially we're we're giving over the reins, we're we're giving that power to other people. And you know, when you're going against yourself, like it's not a fun ride. <laughs> but it's often it happens when we're looking for belonging, when we're looking for some kind of acceptance or some kind of validation that maybe we didn't receive growing up. Um, Mm. maybe we didn't receive it in our family of origin it could be many things and sometimes we can fill those spots with addiction in many forms so Mm. I know we're so used to seeing the you know drug addiction kind of narrative but shopping gambling Mm. (laughs) so many things can fall into that place and it really can in many ways land us in that depression or anxiety or there's other opportunities for mental illness to come forward, Mm -hmm. especially if we have a family member or other family members that are predisposed to these kinds of things. Now, this is where it's so important to have those conversations with your family and really be like, hey, what about Uncle Jim? Like, (laughs) what's happening with him? And, you know, like, what's, what's going on there? So I'm trying to say that I, the racial identity and mental health, they are hand in hand <laughs> in so many ways and so many aspects. And it's, it's really one of those things because mental health is becoming a lot more mainstream and mm-hmm. there's less stigma around going to see a professional with those kinds of things. And I believe we're at a very, a very strong beginning with mental health and like the resources and things that are coming forward do I want it to be better of course (laughs) yeah but yeah racial identity and mental health is just it's one of those things and it's also something that for my own journey it took me time to actually have to step back and look at how things were going about in my life and how things Mm. were being affected and all the components that were playing a part. So yeah, that's my experience. (laughs) So leaning on addiction to like fill 
something that you don't even know <laughs> that you need is a real powerful message to hear. And this idea that like addiction does take many forms. And I mean, I was having this conversation with a friend just the other day because he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't like do anything because he comes from a very like addictive, mm -hmm. a, a lot of addiction in his family. So he's mm -hmm. like never done any of that, you know, and he's in his 40s. And but he like recognizes that other things like he has addictive tendencies in other things, even though he avoids those. So I think that's really, really interesting. And I think because of racial trauma, it's not a coincidence mm -hmm. that so many people of color and so many families of color deal with these issues at like a disproportionate level. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a different, different level and different flavor on that standpoint, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about race and racial identity and mental health, could you talk a little bit about cultural competency and, and what it means in the counseling world and why is it important or how important is it? Mm. Oh, no, I love boy. this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you asked this question. So this is something that is so near and dear to my heart. And really, it is the basis of why I am out coaching and counseling mixed yes. women. This is this is it. Yes. <laughs> the understanding that as like a mental health professional that you're there to help untangle kind of what's going on in the mind and give them space to help them move forward and and support them in a way that feels supportive to them. So that is like baseline. If you are a coach or a counselor or any really mental health professional, that is, in my opinion, what you should be doing. <laughs> but then there's that extra layer that we find when you are counseling somebody that is going to be of a you know def different ethnicity, different culture, different background, all of these very important pieces. Now with that, there's going to be just a general understanding of mm. what it is like to be in your shoes. So if mm. you, if you mm. are a mixed person and you are seeing say a, a white counselor, they are only going to understand maybe what you experienced if you grew up in a white area, for example. Mm -hmm. They are not going mm -hmm. to understand what, <laughs> what it's like to have to belong and have to, you know, try to fit in. And it's not going to be on their radar to really understand the intricacies of how those connect to everyday life, decision-making, all of those kinds of things. I'm a huge advocate for making sure that you are sitting in front of a person that can understand your worldview. That's 100% so important because then it, you come at a different level with that person. You really do because mm -hmm. the explanation portion of sitting in front of a counselor. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced therapy, but having to explain every minute detail and then having it lost on somebody, yeah. it's a hurdle in itself. And once you're sitting in front of somebody that will be able to understand your worldview and can match your worldview, there's this level of being able to resonate that is unlike any other. Mm. And yeah. I've experienced the other side of it where <laughs> I'm sitting in front of a, a white male 
of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and <laughs> well, it's, it's the typical it's the typical stereotype of a counselor or a psychologist or whatever you yep. know, with his little glasses and his white hair and <laughs> yep. all of that. <laughs> I like to paint a picture. <laughs> Yeah, it's painful. It's so painful and it's frustrating and it actually can do damage. Huge, Mm. huge amounts of damage because a therapeutic relationship, you're supposed to be able to, this is if you feel comfortable and it's really important to just figure out where you feel comfortable and who you feel comfortable with, but you're supposed to be able to open as your full self, be able to bring anything and all things to your counselor, to your coach and be like, hey, this is what is on my heart. I need to express it. Mm, oh, and I think something I wish I could explain perfectly to my white friends, my white family, those who are white who listen to the show. When people ask, why are there black student unions? Why are there oh, only black nurses club? Why do you feel the need of that if you want equality? Well, part of that is cultural competency, why we want black doctors and black nurses or, you know, Latinx, why we need people of color in legislative, why we need that so much, because you're already coming in at a level where why we're so tired. By the time we get done explaining ourselves, we finally get to our point, we're actually already quite exhausted already. For me personally, I'm just being able to have that coming into a group of people, whether it be friends, whether it be a business, and just already come in at like, it has been a rough day or I came into the store and I was followed. That's all yeah. I have to say. And you get automatically just for that example of just been like, I am really, really sorry. Can I get you a drink spelled with an A? You know, it's, yeah. they, they, they just, they just get that as opposed to, well, why were you following them? Are you, are you sure they, they were really following you? Are, are you mm-hmm. sure? Uh, oh, I, that's ridiculous. I can't believe that still happens. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Of just like all of that. Like, so by then, then I'm trying to talk them down. Because they are upset. And I'm like, well, you know, this happens all the time. I can't wear. Do you really want me to list everywhere? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, you're, you're already yeah. done by then. It's, and it's not about you. And that is just like a little brief example of why it's not necessarily seclusion that we're desiring. It's a competency. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. coming in. We're trying to save ourselves some exhaustion and some work a, a, a little bit until we get to this place where we can not equalize, but just have that, that empathy because it's hard. I'm seeing that it's hard. I'm sure you see it's hard for people to be empathetic to people (laughs) when the melanin levels are a little different. (laughs) Absolutely. And that just, it spans across all kinds of races and cultures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's that piece where I don't have to explain to you exactly what is going on for me. I can explain the variables and whatnot, but like the core of it, I don't have to go into those depths. And yes, it is exhausting, exhausting, just like so brutal. Mm-hmm. Well, I love all three of us are makes completely different. And yet, I mean, the, it, for the, we were just all nodding here like, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're all like, oh, like, I, I just, you know, for those who are listening or not seeing it, like, seriously, we're all just three completely different backgrounds, experiences, life, and yet instantly within one conversation, we're just like, oh, my goodness, yes, it's, <sighs> it's that. It's that right there that, that is so important if you're going to therapy because that's intimate, isn't it? Oh, of course yeah. you want that. Yeah. You don't want to sit there trying to teach them on how to treat you. That yeah. that negates the whole purpose if you're trying to teach them 
how to treat you and how to address you. I'm already tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a personal, very strict policy mm. of like therapists, doctors, like everyone I go to see for those things, like has to be a woman of color. <laughs> like I don't, I can't, I just can't anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's so important to implement that. Absolutely. This is kind of, I guess, maybe my own personal little segue. I was, I was bringing up to my husband that we were going to be have you on the show, and how excited and super randomly, I'm like, what would you want to ask someone who's in that particular field? And he actually brought up a really good point. It, it's just how can he's a white guy, beautiful white guy, uh-huh. a big fan. It's him uh, himself wanting. How can you support someone? in their identity as well. Cause we also have, we have, we have a daughter who's a beautiful mixed girl as well, but how does he support her and her racial identity? How does he support me and my racial identity? I have a white mom. How does she, how, how do our white family, friends, allies, co- how can they help usher yeah. us and support us in our racial identity journey? Yeah, that's a great question. That is something that is such an important piece of the puzzle because without these people in our lives, this is this is a part of us, right? This is this these are the people that we decide that we want to be around and and there's reasons for that. What it looks like in terms of being supportive in a general way mm. is two things. Empathy. I say empathy and not sympathy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Huge, huge, huge difference. So sympathy is I'm sorry for you. <laughs> like I feel bad for you. <laughs> empathy is wow I can imagine how upsetting that is tell me more Mm -hmm. so that person is giving you the opportunity to speak about exactly what's going on for you but they're also they're also seeing you they're also seeing what is going on for you. They are, you know, feeling what's happening. They are feeling the vibes. They see what's going on and they're allowing that space for you to come forward instead of like, oh, oh wow, that really sucks. You know, that that's terrible. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. Like, thanks for your input. In terms of, and I think relationships just in general, this is one of the big topics we, we touch on in the course that I'm putting together is, you know, how to have those conversations. And even when it's really, really difficult, or you're feeling like it's not a comfortable place to come forward from, just think about how uncomfortable it is for that mixed person or for that black person or for that Latino person, how uncomfortable it is for them. Take a moment and just do your darndest (laughs) and think about that for a second. And, you know, maybe that will give you a chance to also understand that, you know, it's better to just have these conversations and it's amazing what will come from these conversations, the level of understanding, the level of intimacy that can be really cultivated here. And it's, it's so, it's so beautiful. I think with children, Children are really great because they're pretty uncensored. <laughs> they're, they'll pretty much say, you know, whatever they need to say. But I think a lot of it is about, I guess, in your guys' situation, how your significant other 
um, speaks to you and talks to you and cherishes you and is an example for your child and and just shows that like oh you know mommy and daddy they are in so in love and they're they're, <laughs> they're loving each other mm-hmm. and he treats her so well and this is so wonderful it's loving and it's accepting and all of those kinds of things and because children are such little sponges they're gonna pick up on that and they're going to really just I I would say they're really going to bring that into their lives in in their own way yeah Mm, thank you so that was purely selfish right there (laughs) (laughs) it's a good it's a really good question though Mm -hmm. because I think like so much about overcoming white supremacy there is the need for us as people of color to have our spaces to have our our searches for our identity to lift each other up and to stand in solidarity and support but then there's also really the need of solidarity and support from our white allies and co-conspirators and family and friends to be there to support us right and so we can support them too it's it's like i'm reading this it's a a black feminist anti-capitalist communist group from the 70s they're amazing (laughs) they're like vaguely related to the third world women's alliance it's a series of interviews of their organizers and one of them she was talking about how she has learned just as much like working with people who are not like her from a different background as she has been able to learn from working with people from a similar background. And it's like having both of those has been completely necessary in like building the revolution. So I think that that it's a perfect question and right on board with like things that are important in this time in particular. So to kind of segue into that. um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Seg, segue. Could you talk a little bit, Brittany, about what you see as important? Is there anything particularly important with these ideas of identity and and support within like the Black Lives Matter movement and like the current political climate? Mm -hmm. Like I know you're not in the US, but I know you're probably feeling it as our neighbor to the north. (laughs) It must be toasty on that one side. (laughs) It is toasty. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I know this is an excellent question as well. And this is something that I've been really exploring quite a bit um, with my clients this is coming full force forward in terms of the black lives matter movement i think it is so incredibly important not only as allies but as and now i'm speaking to specifically people that are mixed with african or any kind of black at all that (sighs) you have a voice You 100% have a voice and you have a right to your feelings and your experiences. Oftentimes, from my experience as a a mixed woman, I am labeled as Black. And do I experience things that Black people experience? 100% absolutely. Do I have privilege? Absolutely, I do. So understanding that, once again, there's that duality of having privilege, but also having a say and um, some representation as to these are the things that I experience as well. Although we may not be, and like you said, because I'm in Canada, it's it's a lot different out here. 100% it is. I am very close to the border, however, and I have 
quite a few family members in the state and, you know, uh, actually quite a few Black family members in the state. And (laughs) my first call of duty was to reach out to those Black family members of mine and to speak with them and say, hey, what's going on for you? How are you processing this? Mm. Is there a way that I can support? Is there like, is there anything that I can do in those terms? Because I hear you, I see you, I feel you. And it is so important to have those conversations at any time, really. There is a magnifying glass on this right now. And I, 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 it's, it's been time. But understanding that even if you are not directly connected in the way of your ancestry, in the way of your heritage, this is also a place for you to look out at yourself, take a a mirror (laughs) and just have a look at your reflection and and think about the the times that you know maybe you have misstepped or the times where you could have spoken up and really um take those moments and understand that <laughs> there are people out there that need you to be different and stronger and more supportive and understand that this is not just one small little section this is a global situation i hope that answers your question (laughs) no 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 so good well there's like we've always talked about when it comes to race it is complicated yes and i love what you were saying about putting that mirror up because i think especially a lot of our beautiful unicorns right now are whether they want to or not are getting a big mirror put up to their face Mm -hmm. and even mm-hmm. I, I sent Danny this article that was written in 2017 about our light skinned, white passing people of color, specifically if you have black, allowed in these spaces where for darker skinned people. And I think I, I just couldn't help but see how that correlates now with the movement. And so mm. having people like you out there helping people navigate their identity and just feeling like exactly what you said at the top, you actually do have a voice. And that kind of rhetoric of thinking like you must be this dark in order to be able to have that space in that community mm-hmm. uh, to me. And this is so beautifully put as hot garbage, like just, just having that, <laughs> but also with that same mirror, still evaluating your own privileges because you have to. And I, I've, I've been seeing a lot of people and taking that time to do that. I've had to do that to myself. I'm like, where have I been short-sighted? How can I help my, my Brown and black family, friends, my allies, because I have had short-sightedness in certain areas. And that's the perfect time to you know come correct and get right so you can do right, that kind of feeling. Uh, so I'm, I'm so glad and so thrilled of the work that you're doing, because I think there's a lot of unicorns out there that don't feel like they have the right mm-hmm. to be hurt, the mm-hmm. right to be angry, the, the right to say anything uh, on their social media platforms, to their friends to correct people, because who am I? Because of my tone or mm-hmm. how much am I of this and that. And so just saying that at the top, have a voice. You have that. Just look at yourself, have some discernment mm-hmm. in that. I, I really hope people feel encouraged to feel like you are enough just the way that you are. And you have that. Absolutely. You, you have that within you. It's both ends, right? And I, I love how you touched on that too, Brittany. You're entitled to that and you're entitled to your feelings and, and all those things. But also just because you're a person of color, Exolved from like having benefited from 
like white superiority or Mm -hmm. from a racist system. And so I think it's really easy for us who are people of color, even non-black people of color like myself, to be like, well, racism, like white people are doing this. (laughs) And it's like, it's easy to point that finger, right? But it's like, (laughs) no, you got to hold up that mirror and look at like, well, how am I benefiting? What are like my biases I'm doing that I'm not even Mm. aware of? And I think it's important for all of us to realize that it's work that we all have to Mm. do. It's so good. So, so good. I even mm-hmm. like what Danny yes. mentioned about the book she was reading about learning from people that were not like her. And also that I think this is where mixed people, even not black mixed people, ever mixed people, this is where we come in, right? Because we talk about that code switching because we kind of, we, we move uh-huh. and dance in between these lines and margins. And I think especially now we, we talked about before, like secret agents, you have this power to where especially now people are trying to understand and navigate and have those hard conversations where it's like, oh, oh, I have something for this. Oh, that's right. Living between these two worlds my entire life to where you can be able to kind of help bridge these gaps for people who are willing. They have to be to do the work. But because we've had that duplicitous life, we're like, oh, this, oh, yes. we know. We know how to address it and reword and talk and bring together just simply, you know, just you know, I have people in my family who are black, obviously, but I've been in white spaces a good chunk of my life. And being able to bring those kind of two together is it's uh-huh. a superpower. And so instead of me being a mixed person wondering, am I dark enough to be part of the movement? And like, actually, I'm actually quite essential. I'm a really important part of this movement. Incredibly. You hit it right on the head there. 100%. We have been experiencing this our entire lives. Two people came together in love and they made us like we are the definition of what this global community is looking forward to <laughs> at least that's what i hope <laughs> oh, so good mm-hmm. <laughs> when we're talking about global community what are ways that we as a community could support each other in the search for identity and in prioritizing mental health Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a lot of conversations. I think it is going to be a lot of conversations between all kinds of different mixed company. I think it's going to be about really going out into the world and being an example. It's such a strong vein when you can see these things taking action in your community. So if you feel called to, I know coronavirus is happening right now, so maybe not big (laughs) gatherings or anything like that, but (laughs) if you feel called in some way to, you know, build a platform or create a course or create a, something that is, is authentic of you, whether it's works of art, whether it like, it could be really anything and bringing the people of your community together in whatever way is possible and setting that example and having those conversations. I know there is right now, there's, there's a lot of shame happening. Mm. I want to make reference to Brene Brown. She talks about shame all the time and how Mm. shame can grow and grow and grow and grow unless we start looking at it, unless we look at it in the eyes and Mm. say, you know what, shame, this is enough. I'm going to really start talking about this. I'm going to cry. I'm going to emote. I'm going to do all of these kinds of things. And if you can connect with your community in that way, that is going to bring people together 
way more than staying stuck in your own little bubble of, oh, I feel terrible. Oh, I feel shame. Oh, I feel this. I believe that's something that we have all felt. We've all felt shame. We're all human beings. So if we can share in that and and really just minimize that in a way that allows us to speak on it and to really confess it, <laughs> you know, that is something that's really binding and really mm. strong in my belief. Yeah, to hop on the Brene Brown train. <laughs> the power of vulnerability, right? And the vulnerability mm. of expressing that shame. Like it takes real courage and strength to go there and be vulnerable. And I agree, that's like that's the glue of creating a, a strong community. Yes, 100%. Well, cuz guilt and shame is the halter of progress, isn't it? Like, yes. it really does. It stops any kind of growth or progress dead in its tracks. It's the most stagnant thing you could do, which is to be lost in that, in that shame and that guilt. Because first, it takes guts for someone to have that vulnerability. But I think it also takes people like learning how to accept that vulnerability and not go to sympathy or awkward, like learning how mm. I think as a community, like a society, we have to learn how to accept that vulnerability. It makes people very uncomfortable nowadays. I, I find into to because we're not used to it. You know, people are bringing yes. it. You're you're lamenting. You're you're sharing this with me. What do I do with it? Can I regift it? It's just really. <laughs> but I'm I'm really hoping with things that you know, you're coming out with and people listening and reading the material. Like, how can I receive people's vulnerability in a way that is also encouraging and authentic? Mm. You know, it's a two way street. Yeah, there needs to be, you know, someone that is having this situation happen and there needs to be somebody that is able to accept it on the other side and hear them on the other side and not just hear, but also, you know, validate and, and go forward with that. How do you deal with someone who is not willing to to receive that? Ooh. What would be your advice or your tips for someone who's coming up against a loved one who is not there yet? Yeah. I actually had this conversation with my very best friend um, the other day. She was over for a little patio night and we had a great conversation about um, some of her family members and they're just not there. Yeah. They're just not. So how do you come up against that? How do you deal with that? Now, of course, <laughs> <laughs> it is in our nature to really and I don't I don't know if this is for everybody but to educate and talk and and to have these conversations and to just generally have conversations and relate to people. So when you're coming up to somebody that is really just not able to wrap their mind around maybe their own experiences, what they have gone through, the ways that they have come forward in a way that is, <laughs> I'm going to say politically incorrect or racial issue, like any, any kind of form of that, mm. you really just have to stop and check and see what your intention is. Mm. Yes. What yeah. yeah. What is your intention? Now that in itself and you're bringing it to yourself now. Yes. So you're going to have to kind of sit with that and and talk with yourself about that because once you're able to find your intention, that is going to inform you as to how you can move forward. Mhm. Mm 
Now, if your intention is solely to educate and just give information, you are more than welcome to educate and give information. Will it be received? That's up to that person. Mm-hmm. That's 100% up to that person. Now, usually, <laughs> and this is my experience, of course, always speaking from my experience, usually when you bring something forward like that and you speak with your feelings first and then the education, we as humans are more likely to latch onto that and have some kind of reaction in ourselves when we hear the feelings first Mm. then the education so (laughs) if that's your intention that's great go ahead with that lead with your feelings and then you know add on to whatever whatever educational piece that you want to bring forward but ultimately we are not in charge of changing anybody's mind Mm. we need to just let that go in the sense of we have done our piece here. Mm. That does not be, mean be quiet. That does not mean lose your voice. It just means that that person is not able to understand or is not able to articulate exactly what it means to them and come back to you with a response. Yeah. That is super so, real. It's a practice, though. It is a practice. Mm-hmm. And it's it can be so hard. <laughs> so hard, right? Yeah. Really, really hard. But, I, I, but, but you know what you're talking about? That's that practice in that strength and that vulnerability. Because if you lead with your feelings first and then the education and they don't receive it, it's a oof. You just get that mm-hmm. shut down. But like you said, if you have your goals was just to purely educate, then you can't go in there taking it personally. And that's what's I mean. It, that is so hard to train your brain of like, I'm going in here, probably knowing they're not going to receive this. Then am I in a place in a space where I can do that? Nah, fam. Then don't. Then don't put yourself. Be honest with yourself of being like, yep, yeah, racist auntie is going to, I'm just going to have to sit today. Like, I'm, I'm not in that place. Or if you are ready to just be there, if you're just on it, then like, I'm here to educate or to deepen. And even just recently, I have just realized of just how many times in that correction of just realizing, man, I was really just trying to deepen my relationship with people. If people would Mm. really see correction and really see educating as a form of like, here, I'm going to correct you in love or inform you or educate you because I want to have a deeper relationship with you. And if we start Mm -hmm. putting that idea out more, maybe more people would be able to receive it or be in that place. I don't know. Ooh, such a good point. Such, such a good point. It goes back to like the only thing you can control is yourself, right? The things you say, the way you react to things like that's the only thing within your control. You cannot control another person. So I I loved how you were talking about even in the moments where it's like they're not able to accept what I'm saying. Like, no, you have to turn that around and think about like, what am I doing with this? Why am I doing this? Like, Uh it's just such a healthy way to think of it. It's so difficult but so good. <laughs> this is not the easy episode today. If you came here for something light, fluffy and nerdy, I don't, I think, I don't know. You came for something beautiful and true. So there you go. So what, so what, so what from all this as if you weren't being awesome enough, what, what are you, what are you working on now, Brittany? And, and what, what is next for you in this, this phase of life? Like what, what is not goals? I don't like that, but 
what is your passion? What is your desire for this next phase of oh. your life in your in your journey? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I I love this question. <laughs> so I am full force uh, working on my signature program. Um, oh. The yeah, it is called the Divinely Mixed Woman Program, oh. and <laughs> it's luxurious. It, it is. is it's, like, it's so oh. it's, here in England. It's well lush. It is so lush. Ooh, <laughs> it's so lush. It's lush. It's lush. I like that. The the portion that you got, Danny, is the master class. So you got a, a real nice taste of what is going to be um, expanding actually into um, six different modules. Mm. So the first module that, that Danny may be talking about in the future, um, she has received the identity exploration module. Now, these six modules I am putting together and really helping these mixed race women come to ex- a, a place where first of all it is safe to explore mm. these kinds of things yes that safety piece that openness the honesty the no non-judgmental space this program is one year in length and it is really focused on and I really hummed and hawed about this. One year seemed right because mm. we get to experience all these different cycles, not only within how we operate in the world, but also as a woman, we are cyclical beings mm-hmm. <laughs> and we get to experience ourselves every month going through these cycles. And you know what that is a thing. It is 100% a thing. And there's actually lots of education on that as well. Really opening up to that divine feminine and talking about those those pieces. So this course is really about taking in whoever is feeling like they have ever felt like they don't belong, feels like they've made, had difficulties making friends that truly understand them. This course is about, you know, people that want to connect deeply with other people and have a community. We do a monthly Zoom call, which is we all, you know, get in on the session and we talk about like our experiences as to, you know, what what we're going through in the program, any feelings, any thoughts, any goals, any all of those kinds of things, as well as just really honing in on those those pieces and those portions of ourselves that there's really not many places to explore. With that, on top of that, you will be working one-on-one with me in 24 coaching sessions. So I do two private coaching sessions a month. They're obviously bi-weekly. And that is a place for me and that person to explore, you know, really what's going on for them mm-hmm. in a therapeutic kind of, in a, in a therapeutic relationship. So it is fully packed with all kinds of goodness. There is obviously lots of education, but there's also a lot of fun exploration as well. One of the things that we do in module one is talk about our core desired feelings and really understanding what our desires Mm. are about and why they are firing the way that we are and what we want for the future and all of this kind of thing. So it's, it's action packed, good stuff. (laughs) So cool. And and like we were saying earlier, it's just like so important to find those spaces as mixed women where we can feel 
feel ourselves and feel comfortable and and not have this level of explanation to get to like that safety so that we could dig in and really find who we are and what we want and what we're doing in this world. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Definitely. Oh, I'm so excited just for the women who are going to be able to just be really like blessed and gifted by having their time with you. Well, before we get to our happy place, do you, I don't, is that weird? Do you have questions? How did you meet? Like, what was your, how did you get together? And how did you like make this beautiful space for people to come and talk as as mixed ladies and men? Well, do you, I always feel like do a married you couple. Go? Do you, you want to talk about it? Well, once upon a time, in a place called Albuquerque, in a state in New Mexico, which is actually a state, there was a little high school called Albuquerque High, where it was the deepest part of the downtown area. Why would you put a high school there? There lived in a French class where girls should have been studying. Because <laughs> it's early 2000 and French is very important at that time. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there was just... It's also like in theater as well. We were both in theater. We both had classes together. But the thing is that that just kind of drew us together. It's just like, you're a brown person. You're a brown person. We are, you know, both mixed people in this world that was predominantly male and predominantly white. And I think we just, we just had a, a kinship and, you know, it's, it's just kind of like that. We, that we graduated and life went here and there, but we always kept connected, mm-hmm. whether even it was just like a, a commenting here or there kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We kind so. of had these like weird, like parallel life paths. We like, we're yes. like, we were good friends in high school and then post high school, we weren't like close, but we were friends. Like, you know, of course I, mm-hmm. I yeah. always was like, I will always have a fondness in my heart for Damika and I always wish her well same and then i think it was it was about three years ago people are starting to to get woke uh (laughs) starting to be a thing and so i think on a lot of our mutual friends facebooks there's like all these like half woke as we like to call it like half woke things it's it's so (laughs) yeah and so the two of us were always kind of like but this, but that. Like, <laughs> and so then that led to us kind of reconnecting. And D'Amica was already working on like having some of these conversations like on smaller scale with people about race and about gender oh. and about those things. And I, on the other hand, had been spending about a decade doing like theater of the oppressed work. So like social change work through theater. So like we both had our own like way we were dealing with these, these things um, continuously in our lives. So, so we came together and we were talking about that. And then it kind of just this idea of a podcast came up. And so Uh here we are, we spent like a whole summer, like planning and talking and and, like figuring everything out. Sharing our life again. Demika's mm-hmm. in England and I'm in New Mexico and mm-hmm. so just like connecting across space and kind of building this and realizing that like more than anything like what we wanted this to be was just a space where we're like putting this voice out into the world and it's like something that we wish we had had when we were younger like to be able yes. to yes. experience that and hoping that like somehow that resonates with someone else out there. Mm-hmm. I mean it's so true I mean this is why I say Whenever I think of a topic, I always think, what do I want to say to Danny and Demika circa early 2000s? Like, what do I want them to be empowered by? What do I want them to be influenced by? And if there's something just so powerful of actually, once again, being vulnerable, sitting down with yourself of, you know, however many years ago, I'm not going to do the math uh, (laughs) uh, of just like, what did I, what did I need? And what, 
what lies were I believing about myself Mm -hmm. that I need to set right? Or what are gaps and lapses in my knowledge that I really need to be to be filled then? I I really wish that I had. And it's been such an amazing journey with Danny because I, like I said, the same thing with her, like our, we, our lives kind of crisped and crossed and always wished well and had so much love and admiration still, I mean, mad love and admiration for this woman always <laughs> but I'm so I'm actually low-key kind of glad that we we went I mean she lived in Japan I've been in and out of seas you know we both we both got married in different times different ways like I love how our lives are so parallel in some ways but in some ways could not be more opposite but I love the journey like that whole summer we planned and talked and we shared our lives and our, and our struggles and just who we are from graduating till now and I'm just like damn I still love this woman so so much in that space and I can't wait to share this space with her and I've learned so much from her I've been challenged by her which is so so great and yeah I it's I'm so glad to do this with her and I think what she brings to the show is just a level of just what she probably wouldn't say I would say like a level of confidence of just what she's seen and her confidence in her own experience Mm -hmm. as well I just think she just she she just brings it and people relate to her experience so well so yeah oh my gosh 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 gosh. beautiful (laughs) oh my god you guys seriously like that and yeah how how beautiful that you guys have had so many years together that kind of crisscrossed and, and in and out but could come together and make this absolutely phenomenal space. I don't know why I mouth that. Thank you. Because <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> should we? Should we go to our happy place? Let's do it. our guests right that's the polite thing to do (laughs) so for me and it's been like this for quite some time but I am an avid gardener I love to garden I love to like oh plants are my life so right now I am and one of my very thoughtful girlfriends got me this little gift it is a bonsai tree kit amazing yes that's a keeper that is a keeper friend that's what we call that she's good she's a-okay i love her um so i am i'm tending to my little bonsais right now and that's that's my heart that's my life right now i need i need to know more about these bonsai like what kind of tree are they like how big are they Mm. i need all the things all right yes you you don't even understand (laughs) I will like, let you know. We're in it. I can't even pronounce. I can't even pronounce <laughs> half of the name. So I'll send you like a little note yes. or something. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's my happy place right now, and my house is filled with all kinds of uh, different indoor plants, and I'm growing all kinds of like vegetables and fruit, <sighs> fruits and and flowers and things like that in my outdoor garden, and that is my sanctuary. That's where I go. Hmm. Oh, that is such a good it's one. so good. Oh, all right. <laughs> there we go. Danny, do you, what's your happy place uh, Mine this week? Is, is similar, but different. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most like cop out sort of transition. It's similar, but different. 
I love it. Right before this recording, I had just gotten home. I, I was telling Demika, like, she looks so beautiful. And I look like I was driving for two and a half hours because I was. Um, <laughs> so uh, my husband and I spent a couple of nights, like, away in nature. And I'm not, like, a camper. Like, I'm not a camping person. But we, like, rented a little cabin. And it's, like, out in, like... <sighs> rural New Mexico where you can see like all of the stars and it was like this this it turned out it was like on this I can't remember 84 acre farmland and so there was like a horse and all these cows and these chickens and the sweetest like barn cat you've ever met named Fred and it was just like so lovely and so magical and so relaxing and after being in my house for what 105 days or whatever it was it was so nice to be somewhere that was not my house girl we need to hear so your happy early place birthday present from my mother which is very very sweet yeah. and i know it's a banjalele it what yeah i and i love him <laughs> thanks floyd and i play floyd it's a banjalele i am a, i'm a musician and my and i I have a problem. I'm also cheap, which is really hard to have this problem. I love instruments. I will just grab them and I will fiddle and learn how to play. Like we have a violin. I'm like, oh, well, I'll teach myself this. Or I, play, I have a regular ukulele guitar, um, a boran. Just like, I just love it. I have a, a deep-seated problem. But the new member of the family, everyone thinks of like, they get like animal babies. And I'm like, I have instrument babies. And this is my new baby. Yeah. Is it a ukulele? Is it a banjo? It's both. It's a mixed game. <laughs> I really want to hear hear this. Like I can't. I don't even know exactly what it must sound like, but I'm I'm into it. It's so so good. Well, it has like it does have that beautiful haunting twang of a banjo, mm-hmm. but it's tuned to a ukulele. So it's like when you strum, it still has that that first initial that blink of the 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 banjo, but the overtones have that oh. sweetness of a ukulele. And so it has like that beautiful kind of ghosty kind of ness that you get when you can finger pick, but you can strum. I, I'm a big, big fan. I I love it. I have a new problem. Give me all the banjalelis. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's like the best word ever. <laughs> I love it. I, I love I love Floyd. That's so cool. I've never heard so of that cool. ever in my entire life, and now I'm so pumped to go and like Google. <laughs> And have a listen. And I think I think you should do like a little intro maybe on one of your podcasts and be like, yeah, you know. Do you really you you guys want to know? I'm being very vulnerable right now. Do you want to learn the first thing I had to learn how to play on that? Yes, yes. Bow connection. I had to learn how to play. It's living oh, my Kermit no. the Frog fantasy. I had to. Cute. I had to. Like I'm a curvy girl holding like this cute little bandolele. <laughs> bow connection. So cute. I love it. Oh, that's great. Cool. Well, I guess we should go ahead and wrap up. Before we do, Brittany, where can people find you, find out more about your work, follow you, like give us all the things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find me at Mixed Mental Health at Instagram, actually. I do have a Facebook group, same tag, Mixed Mental Health. And if you want to shoot me an email or just have a quick chat, mixedmental7 at gmail.com is where I'm at. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Go unicorns, follow her, stalk her in a healthy manner. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that encouragement that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, and unicorns, if you have questions or comments for us, you can find us on all of our usual channels. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Biracial Unicorns. We're on Twitter at Biracial Magic. And you can always send us an email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. We want to give So Smith Photography. That's done some photography for us. We want to thank so much Belly Pop Art, the iconic icon of the two lovely unicorns. Go follow her. She is awesome. And a big, huge shout out to Joseph Scott, who's done our intro and outro music. Follow them. All of the talent. All the talent. If you're enjoying the show, you should please, please, please recommend it to a friend or several friends. Word of mouth is our main way of spreading. Recently, we've seen like this huge spike. And I think it's because of the current political and world and social climate. So we're so happy. Welcome to anyone who is new. Thank you. If you have a chance, please do review us. It really helps. We'd love to hear about what you like, what you don't like maybe send what you don't like in an email that might be a nicer way than leaving it on a review but we'll be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode mm, can't wait all right y'all peace out